What is shaking, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. This episode is proudly presented by GolfGuide.net. It is an outstanding internet-based resource for you to be able to learn information on every golf course on the Pacific Coast. That includes the states of California, Nevada, Oregon, Washington, and Hawaii. You can visit GolfGuide.net. Search for golf courses using any number of parameters. If you want to find out what course has the biggest slope rating or the largest slope rating on the West Coast, we got you know we we can help you out with that. Um, and also, if you go to golfguide.net today and click on the events tab at the top, you can sign up and join us for one of two events we have scheduled this year. The first one to Gamble Sands uh, up in North Central Washington, uh, 18 holes of outstanding Linksy David McClay Kid Golf. Uh, a couple of nights, three rounds of golf, lots of food, lots of booze, cool tea prizes. You can learn all the information you need to and sign up clicking the events tab on golfguide.net's homepage. And then also we are going to be going to the greatest golf resort in the continental United States. And that, of course, is Bannon Dunes. We are heading up there middle of December, December 13th through the 17th. Four nights, a round of golf at each of the 18-hole championship courses they've got up there it is going to be exceptional so click on the events tab on golfguide.net to on golfguide.net haha to learn more and sign up uh and with that i'm not going to delay this thing any further my buddy chris durr of no gimmies has joined me for the first part of our pga championship preview so without any further delay let's hand it off to myself and mr durr here on the golf guide podcast Ladies and gentlemen, but mostly gentlemen, because I have no idea how many ladies actually listen to this podcast. It doesn't matter. It is time for the second major championship of the year. And by the way, it's not June. It's not the U.S. Open. Even though we're going to Beth Page Black, it's not the U.S. Open. We are headed to the first PGA championship in the month of May in a good long time. And I could think of nobody else to help me get ready for this monumentally historic event than my good friend, Mr. No Gimmies himself, Christopher Durr. Woo! <laughs> Dude, it, feels, it, it almost feels wrong to say the PGA Championship is happening right now, but I'm not even mad about it because, because we're getting served up another major, <laughs> and we already have that trashy players event in our rearview mirror. So all I'm looking forward to is this incredible championship season. So, you know, it makes me feel a little bit weird that it's a PGA, but I'm not mad about it, dude. Bring on the majors. Feed me more majors. God, I, I'm, you are absolutely right in that I'm not mad, and I just feel like I'm just mainlining championship golf right now. Just put it in my veins and just pump away. I'm still, I'm still on the high of Tiger Woods, our childhood hero, winning his 15th major championship after a, what is that, a 11-year hiatus? 11-year <laughs> hiatus. Uh, I mean, dude, it's just, it's crazy that we get another championship. And not only that, as everybody listening to this already knows, but they keep on bringing back to it, now we're going back to a golf course where Tiger has major championship pedigree. The guy won the 2002 U.S. Open at Bethpage Black. He is either the first or one of the first people on site at Bethpage. We're recording this on Thursday, the week before the PGA Championship, and there's already been two days worth of camera footage, or I should say cell phone camera footage, of Tiger Woods walking around Bethpage Black, gearing up and preparing 
for this PGA Championship. I I just I can't honestly put into words how excited I am. I, again, I'm not over the Masters, and yet now I have more major championship golf. Are how are you coping with all this? I I don't think I am. I don't think I'm coping with it. I'm just <laughs> okay, I'm, it's I'm, literally, <laughs> I'm literally just riding the wave. There's no coping going on. And one th- like so one of something that's really scary in my mind right now. Like or not scary. It's pretty positive in general. But like, so Tiger pulled out of the Coil Hollow event last week mm-hmm. and clearly is in full-on major preparation mode, which is what he's done his whole career. He's always wanted to peak for the majors. He's always thought about peaking for the majors. He's built his whole schedule around peaking for the majors. And that whole strategy has just been in question for the last 11 years. But now, to get the monkey off his back of winning another major, it's terrifying to think what he can do with like a very clear and confident mind and knowing that he beat a quality leaderboard because the Masters was there. It wasn't like there was a bunch of schmucks hanging around at the top of the leaderboard, dude. You had Francesco, you had Brooks, you had a bunch of ballers up there ready to to win who were hungry to win. So so it's it's really exciting to see Tiger already at Bethpage, already preparing, obviously has good memories there, did not play in 2009 there. So it's not even like it's it's not even like he has any bad memories of not winning there. I don't know if he played in 12 or 16 for the Barclays. So it's like, I don't know, man. This is this is pretty exciting. And I, I like to see him out there early. I, I just think that he just has got just singular tunnel vision focus. And all he wants to do now is win majors. He could care less about winning the Buick Invitation, excuse me, the Farmers Insurance <laughs> Open, which he used to do every year. And it was a big highlight for my childhood. But clearly, you can just see it he, just in the way he's preparing. He doesn't give a shoot about winning that event dude no. he just wants to wreck majors and this year's major championship venue list just sets up so well for him and to see him already out there prepping it's uh it gets me excited dude because because i never thought i'd ever have the the ability to say that tiger woods won the last major championship and, and i'm excited to see what's going to happen this week i know it's also so crazy because you know obviously he is the reigning you know major champion he's, he's won the last major but also the last time the pga championship was contested it took basically a, a historic performance by Brooks Kepka to beat him there too. So like the last two major championships, Tiger has a win and a second. Like that is like how how could you possibly think he's doing anything but peaking right now? And it, if you go if you go back one more, he finished third or sixth at the Open. So it's like with, with the chance to with the lead on the back nine. With the lead on the back nine, and and it's weird. And okay, so the PGA. Even when I was watching Tiger in his peak in 2006 and 2007, I always thought the PGA was the easiest major for him to win. Like it was, I remember when I was watching PGA like major venues list, I would just check off the PGA as like, well, Tiger's probably going to win. The ghost because, of Hawaii Yang. The ghost of Hawaii Yang is rearing his ugly head. But yeah. it's just it's just one of those things where like they set it up so much like a regular tour event. It's it's a birdie fest, you know, and and it's all about. It's, it becomes an issue of making not an issue, but it becomes a test of making the right decision and executing. But it's not overly challenging. And if there's anyone on earth who's proved that he can do that really well, it's Tiger, and that's why he has whatever 80 PGA Tour wins or 81 PGA Tour wins in 15 majors, because uh, he can do that week in week out all the time, no matter what game he has. So the PGA is one of those ones that. He'll always be able to contend, at, and he proved that last year. Because I mean, frankly, Bell Reeve was 
not a great major championship setup, and the Tiger had no experience there, and there was a lot of doubts about Tiger's game still, and he'd never he'd contended in Carnoustie, but you know there was still question marks, and he still contended there. So I think it'd be fallacy to not take that same kind of excitement or thought process into this week at a course that he's won at, a course that he knows well, and with the game that he's bringing in. Yeah. It's just, it's very overwhelming, Christopher. Is it, all of this Tiger stuff is just, I, I just cannot contain my excitement. I feel like I've basically just had a golf woody for like the last four weeks. And, it, and it's not, this PGA Championship happening so soon is not doing anything to help that thing go away. I'm just continually walk around in a golf-infused pants tent. And it is, I, I'm not even ashamed. My wife, not embarrassed. We're, we're, we're a golf household. We love Tiger. It's it's okay with me. I'm just I'm just ready to go. I'm so ready, dude. Did you uh, watch Did you watch that Golf Digest video tour on YouTube of the of the course? Like the they did like the drone flyovers of every hole. I'm really happy you brought that up because I actually have that in my notes. Yes, if if anybody is listening to this and they haven't seen it yet, the YouTube video that Christopher is referring to is made by Golf Digest, where they did that same thing they did with Pine Valley, where they give you basically like a hole by hole tour using the drone. It is spectacular they did such a good job with that it's pretty cool man i i being a san diegan and you know i've i've expressed my frustration with tory pine south course many times on your podcast on Mm -hmm. my podcast many times but being a native san diegan i felt like i always had to hate beth page black because it was (laughs) the other public course that hosted majors and and it was like some kind of like it was almost like a rivalry oh absolutely polar opposite coasts like it's everyone's like it's the people's course not that because and like i guess tory pines isn't i don't know why but you know i don't get i don't get that so because you're not new yorkers you know exactly so (laughs) as much as as much as freaking you know tory pines has its issues like i went into watching that golf digest video tour of beth page i went into it really wanting to not like it obviously i know the course but with drone photography and drone footage like it's kind of changed the way you can see golf courses like google maps is great to like fly over but to actually get the drone and see like the movement and kind of like move with the hole as it goes, it just gives you like another level of like appreciation. And so I, I will be honest, I watched it ready to like put pick away the things that I didn't like, and mm-hmm. uh, and there, it, she looks gorgeous. So <laughs> it looks so good. And honestly, yeah, I, I'm really glad that I watched it too because, you know, obviously I, I don't know. I I have a couple buddies that have played Beth Page Black, and they all loved it. I personally have not played it, but. It, I got the same, you know, from watching that video, which, by the way, Ron Witten, who's the lead, you know, architecture writer for Golf Digest, he does all the commentary and the narration for that video. What a voice. And he's he's fantastic. And just like Augusta, I was shocked with how much elevation change there is out at this golf course. I mean, there's a handful of holes, and I'm not talking two or three, like many, many holes out there with like 40 to 60 feet of elevation change. And, you know, talking, and it's not just like elevated tees down to fairways, there's a lot of wildly elevated greens where you're hitting up to like basically a green surface where you can't see a goddamn thing. It, it It's why it's going to be a wild, wildly fun golf tournament at a really, what seems to be technical, but also challenging and beautiful golf course. I'm curious to see how they set it up because I think the U S open and the PGA are completely different majors. So I, I think it'd be fun to see guys have a chance to get to double digits under par on Beth page. Cause mm-hmm. I have this U S open type, like view of Bethpage where yeah. rough is super thick. You can't get out of it. I remember there was a time when 
uh, in the 2002 U.S. Open where guys couldn't get to the fairway on one of the par fives. I remember it was like a 265-yard carry, and mm-hmm. in 02 when guys were soft, a lot of the guys <laughs> couldn't get there. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember specifically Fred Funk complaining about not being able to get to the fairway, and and Zach Johnson, and I was like, well, listen, um, get longer. Yeah, if and, you guys were so soft, it wouldn't be a problem now, would it? it? But still, like you know, that's that like just that whole sentiment is like it's just so hard like that's the essence of difficulty you know like i can't even hit the fairway because i can't get there (laughs) it's like so it's it's kind of ridiculous to like i'm excited to see what it looks like in a major championship light but Uh not trying to be the hardest golf course on earth for that week yeah for sure and to be honest i was actually one thing i was a little surprised about was i didn't realize that beth page had never hosted a major before the u.s open in 2002 before that, it had never hosted a major championship. That I, because it seems like my entire life, you know, Beth Page has always just been in the mix. Now, granted, you know, I was fourteen when the two thousand two championship happened. You were just a tiny bit younger than that. So, like, even in our childhood, like Beth Page has always just been in the mix for like big major championship golf. I was very perplexed that that had never hosted a major championship before that. And as a little bit of context, to follow up with what you were just saying, when Tiger Woods did win that U.S. Open in two thousand two, he finished that tournament at three under par. There was not another single player that finished under par in that whole tournament. He was the only player that finished under par. Gnarly. Yeah. It was just crazy. And then I, it was, and then Lucas Glover obviously uh, won his lone major championship there in 2009 at four under par. Um, but I do believe there were a few people uh, nipping at his heels um, that also finished under par for that championship. So, you know, it, it's going to be fascinating. I know the golf course has gone under um, additional renovations since the last tournament was there. Um, so before the 2002 U.S. Open, uh, they brought in uh, Reese Jones, the uh, the Open doctor, uh, to resify uh, the golf course, made it a little more challenging. And then he came back and did some more work um, last year in 2018 to get ready for this 2019 PGA Championship. And so I don't know whether that's going to make the golf course play substantially different than it did for those championships. I know the one thing that is going to be most noticeable is that Whenever you see the uh, the photographs or the videos of people playing the 18th hole at Bethpage, that iconic just straightaway, you know, elevated tee down to a lower fairway with kind of that uh, hourglass type, you know, fairway where those huge massive bunkers left and right kind of pinch the fairway in really, really tight and then goes up to a wildly massive elevated green. Yes, I sir? Get, yeah, I, I guess one of the big changes is that he removed the hourglass shape and basically just has the, uh, the fairway, you know, an equal width the whole way through because he was he was basically saying that because that fairway got pinched so much a lot of guys were hitting iron off the tee and while he kind of wanted to force them to either decide whether they want to hit an iron or a driver apparently he was just of the mindset that major championship winners don't hit iron on the 18th hole so he just wanted to give them an incentive to swing away to me that makes it seem like it's going to play easier because if that's the kind of change he's making on 18 who knows what other kinds of changes he made throughout the rest of the golf course. So my my inclination is to think that it is likely going to at least play, even if they set up the conditions exactly the way they did for twenty or 2009 for the U.S. Open, that Mike, yeah, I, I think it'll at least play a couple of strokes easier. I think it'll play easier than the U.S. Open just because PGA set up, but I think that specific example might make 18 harder because in 2009, people were not hitting it as far as they were now. So... I bet now people could carry those fairway bunkers. Where now, if the fairway is just one strip that is essentially the width of the distance between the two bunkers, mm-hmm. from inside edge to inside edge, the whole way, it's going to be a landing strip. It's going to be a literal runway right. of a fairway. Right. So I think it might. It might. Uh. I don't think 
the PGA Championship ever has the option of having people choke on 18. When was the last time someone choked on 18 at a PGA Championship? I don't remember it. Uh, U.S. Open happens all the fucking time. Yeah. So it's like, yep. so I think I don't yep, yep. think anyone, I don't think that's bringing that into play. But I think, uh, I think you're not going to see a lot of birdies on 18. Sure. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we're looking for like you know something of you know what what could a potential you know final score look like. Um, Beth Page has hosted two FedEx Cup playoff events. It hosted the Barclays in 2012 and 2016. Nick Watney won in 2012, and our boy Patrick Reed won in 2016. Uh, and their final scores were minus 10 and minus 9. So maybe, maybe that's more of a, you know, closer to what we'll see for a PGA Championship winner. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, so I, I think if 10 and 9, if 10 and 9 got it in the Barclays, wouldn't the PGA Tour set it up? easy like there's no other way to say that they'd set it up easy for oh, those for sure. events for sure uh they want to see birdies it's a playoff event so if the, if that was the score for those events i think we're probably looking we might even be looking at still like something closer to five or six or seven under par so it still might be close to a u.s open score which would be crazy man that i think that just goes to show how difficult that golf course is just in general, just on a day-in, day-out basis. Yeah, I mean, it is a golf course that is supposed to be for highly skilled golfers, Christopher Durr. I mean, this I is the, you know, you can't be any amateur slouch coming out here and thinking you're going to you know, shoot yourself an 81. That's not going to happen. This, I saw the sign. I wonder how many times that sign's tried to have been attempted to get stolen. <laughs> like, how many, how many, like, Tennessee yahoos have rolled in and been like, I'm taking this here, Dan. I'm taking this here sign. <laughs> I honestly I hope they have a camera feed and that basically one day they put out a compilation of all the Daryls out there just trying to yank that sign off the fence. That would make my day. I really I really hope that happens and comes out somewhere. That is an amazing take. This is going to look oh, this is going to look awesome in my man cave. <laughs> oh, which is awesome. Well, all right, so, since we're talking about the golf course right now, let's just let's just keep rolling. So, you watch this uh this video that Golf Die just put out. And again, if anybody listening, if you haven't watched it already, absolutely worth your 10 minutes to go and check it out the the one takeaway that i had was or i should say that maybe i guess there's two takeaways is that one it seems like almost every single golf hole out there is bending one direction it does not seem like there's a lot of just straight golf holes out there i mean left and right dog legs up and i mean there's just so much ground movement and so much left to right and right to left movement on that golf course that you know it's making me think that because a lot of those dog legs have bunkers and trouble on that inside part of that dog leg any guy that can hit the ball 315 to 330 yards, mostly in the air, is going to have a wild advantage. And almost it almost makes me want to think that the field is basically going to be limited to the same guys we always talk about when you need to hit the ball a long way to be able to contend. Like the Brooks, DJ, Rory, Ty. Like, I don't know if you can win this golf tournament without being able to carry all those dog legs and get, you know, and get mid to short irons in your hand because the guys that only hit the ball 270 in the air they're not going to be able to carry that stuff. And all of a sudden, while ha- you know, this little section of the field is hitting seven irons and eight irons, all these guys are going to have four irons in these greens, and you got to think they'll have no shot. I would have to agree. And on top of the fact, and on top of that, there's the the fact that none of these greens allow for run up shots. That's it. That all, was that was my second point. I'm glad you yeah, brought that up. Yep. It's all isolated greens. Like every single green is an isolated green with rough or bunkers all around it for 50 yards. So it's like, okay, you have to be in the fairway. I don't care how not thick the rough is you're you're losing 10% of your like you're losing 10% of greens like you know if you hit it in the rough all day off the tee you're going to hit 10% less greens than a guy who hits it in the fairway a lot so yep. it's like and that alone is going to add two or three strokes to your total and that's i mean at this level like golf is professional golf is the margin is so thin at that level dude you're not winning you know mm-hmm. so it's it's you it 
It favors the Brooks. It favors the DJ. It favors the Rory. It favors the guy who hit it really long and really, really straight. Yep. Uh, and iron play is not so much of a premium. Like, you know, obviously you need to hit greens, but at the end of the day, if you're in the fairway at this golf course, you're going to hit more greens than anyone else. And if you're five feet away or 20 feet away, like, you know, it doesn't, not that it doesn't matter, but, you know, everyone's going to get there. Everyone's going to get theirs. Everyone's going to mm-hmm. stuff it on a few, and everyone's going to have to leave some out on a few. But if you have a shorter iron approaching these greens, it's going to make the whole day a lot easier. Yeah, 100%. Could not agree more. But then, not not to turn this thing into just a Tiger fanboy podcast, but it makes me wonder that is he going to be hitting the big stick the way that he was at Augusta, where he was hitting a lot of fairways, which to me seemed totally unnatural. I, I, I've, I don't recall seeing Tiger Woods hit, hit that many fairways since like 2003, 2002. And so a lot of fairways. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It seems like because of what you were describing, that hitting fairways off the tee, you know, everybody kept on saying Augusta was a second shot golf course. That That's where you're going to make your bread and butter. And you could say that, you know, at almost any major championship course. But it almost seems like this is this is a golf course where you got to be you got to be straight and long off the tee. If you don't hit those two requirements, the rest might not matter all that much. It's like of all the guys that can hit it long and straight off the tee. Out of those guys, who's going to putt the best? And that 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 should be our winner. And okay, so like you said, not to turn this into a total Tiger fanboy podcast. Turn it into a Tiger gr- fanboy podcast. It doesn't matter. It's so natural. It's, it's so natural. Those greens out there are Poa. Tiger Woods is the best putter on earth. The Poa, the Poa King. Greens. The Poa King. He's the Poa King, dude. He's the Poa King. He doesn't <laughs> lose on Poa. So it's like. So yeah, I mean, I I think that if Tiger can hit a lot of fairways, I think he's got a really big advantage on the greens. I think guys like DJ who putt really well, TJ's a phenomenal putter. Don't I'm not taking anything away from him, but DJ in the back of his mind knows that he needs to make putts because he hits the ball so good. And mm-hmm. I think if he just has one of those rounds where he misses a few, I think it'd be really easy for him to get frustrated, which is bound to happen on Poet Greens. DJ doesn't get frustrated very often, has an incredible demeanor, but I think there's more of a chance of that to slide into someone like him. Rory's terrifying because he's a god-awful putter. Love the guy. My, there, uh, there's nobody on earth I root for more than Rory except for Tiger. And, uh, and... <laughs> And I think that he's I think that he's gonna really struggle. And then Brooks is scary. Brooks Brooks doesn't give a Brooks just Brooks just plays like a baller yeah, everywhere he, he goes, he, no matter he just where it is. Could not care less about what you think. Well, by the way, can I go on a quick aside? Just a quick yeah. side tangent real quick. It has nothing to do with the PGA championship. We are Absolutely. talking about POA. Uh before we started recording this podcast, I did mention that uh, I had played Chambers Bay recently, and I know you've played it in the past as well, but I got to yep. play it now with these new POA greens they've got out there. Was it good? They're so good. Oh I my gosh. It. They're so good. The, the, those new Poa greens are rolling so pure. Like if Gary Player could go and play that golf course now, he it actually might change his mind. They are so spectacularly good. I I was so impressed with the new Poa greens up at Chambers Bay that again, j- just when Poa is good, even if it's a little bumpy like Poa always is, it still goes where you want it to go and it just oh, it's so nice. God. It's Poa's great. I grew I mean San Diego is all Poa. So yeah. I grew up on Poa. You don't like it's all POA and then the really nice country clubs and the really nice courses have bent grass. Yeah. But like other, it, you don't see anything else. Like, and the only the nice courses have bent. So I grew up on POA. I love POA. I'm happy Chambers changed to POA. For anyone who wants to hear my takes on Chambers Bay, I have a podcast where I talked exclusively about Chambers Bay. It's one of my early ones in the 20s or something. Um, and I remember that being a big takeaway. I had a mm-hmm. lot of fun. I thought the layout was great, but uh, the greens were pretty bad. There was, the greens think, were a little rough. Yeah, I think half of the green on like the... 
I want to say it's the seventh hole, the uphill par four, the wild beast. number one handicap dog leg, yeah. right? That's almost kind of like a cape on acid. Yep, exactly. <laughs> with a bunch of with just gnarly bunkers on the right. Yeah, those huge uh, mounds of just bullshit in the middle of the fairway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that hole seven, I played that hole in like, like the like thirty percent of the front of the green was just like dead it was like spray painted green i was like whoa this is i'd never seen anything like it before i was like whoa this is i was like this is gnarly i was like this is not good like these things are these things are dying for sure and i talked to the head i talked to the head pro i don't know if he's still the head pro out there senior zepper um brent i talked to him before the round and he was like yeah we're about to redo them man they're they're not the best i was like well good for you guys i can't imagine they're gonna be that bad Mm. um and they were not that bad in general but there was a couple that were pretty atrocious yeah well that is no longer the case. Those polo greens up there are sensational. Anybody that had any gripe with the, the greens who played them before they redid them, I would highly encourage you to go give it another try because they are butter right now. Um, and that's the thing. I'll bet you the polo greens that are out on Bethpage Black are also going to be butter. I, I think Tiger is going to feel at home. I think there's a lot of guys out there that probably putt very well. I mean, these are the world's best golfers. I mean, I'm sure all of them can putt on any grass you put in front of them, but uh, Tiger especially is going to feel so good. And it's also just one more thing that's just going to get him ready for fucking Pebble, right? It's exactly. like as, as if he needed something to give, uh, carry some momentum into the third major of the year. Now he gets to go Poa Greens and back-to-back major championships. The guy's just got to be feeling good right now. Exactly, exactly. And the Poa is only nasty for the guys that play in the late afternoon, i.e. the leaders on Sunday. So Ooh, yeah. if there's anybody that I'm going to put my money on, if they're leading the event late on Sunday and playing on Poa Greens, it's my man Tiger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Um Let's see here, man. So for two guys that have not played the golf course, do you have any other notes uh, on Beth Page Black that you want to touch on before uh, I move on to a quick little uh, thing of news and questions for you? Uh, not really. I'm excited to see it again. I think it's going to be really fun. I hope I hope it doesn't rain. <laughs> and, and, Likewise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, that's it, man. The course looks really, really cool. I'm reserving any and all judgments on Reese Jones. And, uh, and I'm trying. I'm, I'm really, really trying. Yeah, I'm not even going to go there. So... So yeah, man, I'm excited. Okay. I think Beth. I'm happy that I think I'm excited to see how Beth Page fits into the PGA Championship Roto because mm-hmm. I think that might be a really good home for it. Oh yeah. Now, all right. So now to change gears, what are your thoughts on our boy, Mr. John Daly, going full Casey Martin and applying and getting approved for using a golf cart in the PGA Championship? So I had more of an issue with Casey Martin getting it. Really? Because Casey Martin was the first one to get it. So I like. I have more of an issue with the precedent being broken for the first time. Now okay. it's like, now it's like, well, willy nilly, dude, everybody gets it whenever they want it, you know. So it's like, I can't, I can't be mad at JD. Uh, and honestly, would you expect anything else from John Daly? I mean, like, no. But it's it's funny because because like for Casey Martin, like he actually had like a legitimate like medical thing where not not to say that John Daly's knee isn't you know as he said fucked like you know yeah. <laughs> like I mean I'm I'm sure his knee isn't like plenty bad bad shape but like. Casey Martin's injury was because of like, you know, an outlier, like, you know, medical, you know, situation where just something happened and like it was beyond like kind of his control where, I mean, John, John's just basically like us. He's just a piece of shit that doesn't exercise. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, I just, I, I kind of have decided to really not take care of my body for the last, you know, 25, 30, 40 years. And so I'm going to take a cart and you're like, you know, I do respect that. I think it's kind of crazy, but I also respect it. I just like that he had the stones to even ask, and then they approved it. So it, it, it'll add kind of a nice little wrinkle. It, it, it'll get us paying more attention to JD than I think we may otherwise would have. Exactly. And it's like 
do I like the fact that he's taking a cart? No. Do I like the fact that they approve him taking a cart? No. Can I fault him for at, for applying and getting it? No, because they've already done it once. So it's like the, the precedent's already been set. If you want a cart, there is a way to get it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I mean, I guess we're just, I'm now I'm just banking on people being good people, which is, uh, which can be scary sometimes, <laughs> but I'm just hoping. <laughs> a I'm dangerous banking, proposition. I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm hoping that people, you know, just don't, don't ask for a cart. But I, I mean, I, th- what would make it even better? I think Beth Page is in a state park in New York. Yep. And in any, from my understanding, in any and all state parks in the United States, you cannot smoke. Uh, mm. I learned that the hard way at Golden Gate Park Golf Course. Yes. Don't ask me what I was doing, but I did learn it the hard way. <laughs> and uh, so I'm curious to see if our boy JD is lighting up cigarettes and riding in a cart like a true weekend warrior. I certainly would hope so. My my, my thought and my hope is that, I mean, obviously I hope, you know, smoking Stokes is part of his routine. I mean, I'm sure you saw that uh, super awesome video that was going on where some reporter asked him, hey, so John, like, you know, what do you do to get ready to go play like a round of competitive golf? And he's like, ah, oh, it's pretty simple, really. Go uh, hit balls for about 20, 30 minutes, uh, smoke about five or six cigarettes, drink three Diet Cokes, and uh, walk to the first tee. And, you know, sometimes I kind of skip out on the practice part. And you're like, God, what a fucking boss. Dude, but, hilarious, dude. But, like, it's so good. My hope is that because he actually has a cart, he now finally has a vessel to carry, like, booze and to carry food. Like, would, would you like to see anything else other than John? driving around playing in a PGA championship with a basket of Hooters hot wings just sitting in his passenger seat, just, you know, scarfing, you know, taking the wing down like, you know, every, you know, one or two a hole and just going for like four and a half, five straight hours. That to me would be the pinnacle of professional golf. I agree, dude. It'd be freaking fun. It'd, <laughs> it'd be funny. It'd be, it. I mean, g- fuck, golf needs more stories other than this guy's playing good. This guy's not. Wow, this is a gentleman's game, ain't it? Like, like, there's, there's got to be someone to shake it up. Like, golf needs a true villain. Brooks Kepka has very much become a villain in the golf world, and it's oh, yeah. great. It's great because you get guys like Scott Van Pelt talking about it, which yeah. is freaking awesome. Because that's what we need. We need those kind we of need people. Heels. We need, yeah, we need heels. heels. Badly. We need heels. And if John Daly could be a likable heel, man, like, fucking lean into it, dude. Please. All right. So now a real serious question for you: bigger, more monumental, impactful victory in the world of sport, and the world of golf. Tiger Woods winning the 2019 Masters or John Daly winning the 2019 PGA Championship? John Daly. Dude, that's, that's, <laughs> come on. Now. Come on, son. You kidding me, dude? That guy is, that guy is 310 pounds and going to die tomorrow. Dude, like, I, I, I'm like so worried. Oh, I'm so worried because I love him so much and he just seems like he could croak at any second. I love John Daly. That would be the biggest story. I would love nothing more than John Daly to win the PGA Championship and do the exact same thing he did at Cricket Stick in whatever, 1992, and walk down the fairway just like doing the tomahawk with his arms, just like the helicopter, like, (laughs) let's go, dude. Light up a cigarette on the 18th green as he taps in for the win and just flip off every single camera he can see in the vicinity. Take his shirt off. Do it all, dude. Dude, Give me all of it. such an OG. God damn it. I love that guy. Um, All right. Another quick news item for you. I wanted to hear what your thoughts were because obviously we've been talking about these guys um already in this podcast but what did you think of brandel chambly's comments about how the only people that can beat tiger are dustin johnson and rory mcelroy 
To which Brooks Kepka comes back and being like, this guy is a fucking clown. Like, yeah. what what are your thoughts on Brandel's comments? Do you agree? Do you disagree? What, what What's your take here? He's not wrong. Really? Okay. He's not wrong. You, so, you, so you don't think DJ, Brooks is on the same level as DJ and Rory? So I think Brooks is the most cl- clutch player in golf. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I think Brooks is by far and away the most clutch guy. There's nobody more clutch than Brooks. If I had a six-foot putt to win my alternate shot match, I would want Brooks to be the guy on my team to make that putt. <laughs> really, though, he's, yeah, he's, for real. proven, he's proven himself to be the most clutch player in the last five years. Yeah, I can't disagree I, with that. I think there's something to be said for the fact that he only has won majors. And I think that's what Brandel Chamblee was talking about. Because mm-hmm. Brooks clearly does not care about regular season events. Nothing wrong with that. You can't fault him for it. But to have whatever five PGA Tour wins and three majors, like, I, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for that. DJ is the greatest golfing athlete we've ever seen, ever. There's nobody that is has a body more perfectly built to play golf than DJ. Mm-hmm. He's won 20 times on the PGA Tour, has won every year that he's been a PGA Tour member since 2009, is a little bit of an underachiever in the sense that he's only won one major. But when DJ's at his best, he, like, wh- what are you going to do when the guy's hitting at 350? He's a machine, in the fairway, He's an absolute wedging, machine. Wedging it to 10 feet and then making half his 10-footers. It's like, you can't do anything. No. Rory is Rory McIlroy. He's won, whatever, five majors? Mm-hmm. Four majors? Four, four majors. He's yeah. won two Open Championships, a PGA, and a and US, US Open. Open. So, he's, yep. so he's won four majors has won countless times all over the world, was touted as the next Tiger Woods, had the unfortunate like unfortunate thing happen to him where Nike signed him after Tiger's debacle and basically marketed him and branded him as the next Tiger Woods and, and won majors and lived up to that hype. So mm-hmm. I think, and on top of that, he's incredibly skilled. So I think there's something to be said for that. So I think Brandel was right. Long story short. Do wow. I think Brooks is a stud? Absolutely. Do I think Brooks is going to win more majors in his career? Absolutely. Is there a chance that Brooks ends up with more majors than DJ or Rory? For sure. There's a really high chance that that happens. Mm-hmm. But all of those things being said, I still think that just on paper, which I think is what Brandel's talking about, DJ and Rory are the only guys that really can compete with Tiger Woods at his best. Because I think... I mean, we saw it a little bit at the Masters. Brooks was at his best, and Tiger was close to his best, and Tiger beat him. And and I think there's something to be said for what Brooks is at his best and who Tiger is at his best. I think Tiger still edges him. Where I think that if DJ was playing his best golf and we have Tiger from 2006 playing at any place in the world, on any golf course at any given time, major, non-major, random event, $5 Nassau at the Medalist Club in Florida. <laughs> I think if DJ's on top of his game and I think if Tiger's on top of his game, I think that's a really, really interesting match. That, that, that's or a true I, heavyweight fight. Yeah, that's a true heavyweight fight where I think that if if Tiger and Brooks were doing the same thing, I think Tiger's like, you know, a 300-point favorite or whatever, you know? Really? He's, yeah, I think he's like a 3-1 to one favorite. Yeah, where, I think I, it, where I think it's even if it's DJ and Tiger. Hmm. So do you think for last year's PGA Championship then that they were both playing their best golf or do you think Tiger was still a little off when he got bested by Brooks by a couple strokes? I think Tiger was playing good golf, but I think he didn't know in his head that he could do it. Mm. 
I yeah. think he was still. I think he hadn't won. That's on true. Three. He hadn't won at that point. That, that's a very he good point. That, he hadn't won at that point. So he was still in somewhat uncharted territory for him, where Brooks was just coming off back-to-back U.S. Open wins. So, so yeah. I mean, I, that's why. Not to say that that's why Brooks beat him. Brooks played some great golf, but I think if we have Tiger firing on all cylinders like we had him at the Masters, and we put him back last year at last year's PGA Championship, not to say that I think it goes different, but I think it's a. Uh, I think Brooks gets a little. I think Brooks's hands start to feel a little different than they did that day. Sure, sure. Uh, over under on Brooks Kepka career major championships. I'm setting it at five and a half. Over. Over under on Brooks Kepka career victories, including majors, eleven and a half. Over. If I'm giving him okay. six majors, I got to give him at least twelve wins, right? I mean, he's the, the, twenty. He's twenty-seven, bro. Yeah, he's no, he's young. He's, he's young. He, but he's my, my, young. Thing, my thinking is, is he the guy that's going to win eight majors as like part of twelve like <laughs> career victories? Twelve career victories and eight of them are majors. I mean, that's kind that of the, that's kind of the trajectory he's on right now, isn't it? I would love that. I yeah, would. I, I, I would think that'd be like an amazingly awesome career. My heart wants me to. My heart wants me to go over on the five and a half majors and under on the eleven and a half wins. But I think just my <laughs> logic, my logic is telling me that that can't be possible. I, I like, well, what he's done up to this point also shouldn't be possible. So I'm just kind of like, God, how, how long can he keep this going for? This is kind of crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and and uh, like, I think the fact that Brooks always talks about how he didn't like golf and doesn't care about golf, I think that almost plays into his hand because like a PGA championship, PGA championship, like that's his, that's his literal <laughs> attitude. He's all like us open, you're schmoping dude. Like oh, that's so great. where's the first tee and where's the hole dude, which way I'm supposed to go that way. Oh, Got that it. Like, I'll see, I'll see you guys at the end of 18 holes. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. All right. All right. So now that we're graduate, I have a couple of questions for you, sir, Chris, these are actually some similar questions that you and I were discussing for our Masters Preview podcast that we did on the No Gimmies feed. So I actually want to turn it around and ask you some of these same questions here for this upcoming PGA Championship. Are you ready, my man? I'm so ready. Okay. For this tournament, and you may have already answered this already with all the talk we've done so far, but what are you most excited about for this championship? Tiger. It sucks because I think everybody has the same exact answer because I'm in the same boat. But like, I mean, how could you possibly choose anything else after that tournament last month? Besides Tiger. So let's I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, let's look I'm at play in, What I'm are you most excited about other than Tiger Woods trying to win a second major of the year? So this is an unpopular opinion. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Justin Thomas does. Hmm, OK, just Th- Justin Thomas hits draws this golf course. If you look at every winner, a that's lot of here. right to left. Yeah, Tiger, Lucas Glover, Nick Watney, Patrick Reed, all four of those guys, Tiger excluded. But Lucas Glover, Nick Watney, and Patrick Reed exclusively hit a draw. Tiger mm-hmm. can do whatever the fuck he wants with the golf ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, so and JT hits draw. And JT is also one of those guys that's been heavily touted as, like, you know, one of those guys that can compete with Tiger in air quotes, one of those guys that's got all the tools. He's got a very complete and well-rounded game, and he's been very, very quiet. Right. So I think at a... At, He's already won a PGA championship. Mm-hmm. He can hit the ball right to left, and this is the kind of major that suits his game really well. So I'm excited to see what he does, and I'm really rooting for him to play well because I think he the game needs him to play well. So besides Tiger Woods, I'm hoping that he feels inspired by Tiger's major Masters win, and I'm hoping that he plays some inspired golf this week because I think it'd be really fun to get him on the mix on a leaderboard because I feel like I haven't seen him in the mix in a long time, and mm-hmm. I miss him. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I, uh, I kind of would have to agree. In fact, I would absolutely have to agree. Now, I don't know if you know this, at uh, 12 to 1, that is what Justin Thomas is sitting at. Is that worth putting a couple ducats on? Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. that's worth putting 10 bucks gets you 120. Why yeah. not? Dude? Why not, man? Okay. That's that's a that's a fun payout. Okay. I I like that a lot. Um let's see here. What is Okay. I probably need to put a caveat on this. Other than Tiger Woods winning the PGA Championship, what is the best case scenario for this golf tournament in terms of watchability? The best case scenario is DJ winning. And for watchability. Yeah. For okay. Watchability. Okay. Yeah, explain it to me. DJ is arguably the most underachieving golfer in the history of the world. <laughs> that is that is quite a title. <laughs> we just talked about it. Dude. I mean, I know you're you're absolutely right. <laughs> so, so I think that would be a great case. Like that'd be really fun. It would validate his career a little bit more to all the talking heads, ourselves included, for sure. And and on top of that, I like it when DJ wins. Yeah, I do too. I I really like it when DJ wins. DJ's fun to watch play good golf yeah so yeah. i think that'd be a best case scenario barring a tiger win i think seeing a dj win would be really 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 fun and and it, it like I, I don't it would just be really fun and it'd be fun to see him just kind of like saunter around and like hold off all finishers with just kind of like a shrug of the shoulder you yeah know? don't worry like, I'll, I'll put out let's go yeah, i got it <laughs> it's like dude you, you're on the 18th green and you have two feet and your partner has 10 feet and you have a three shot lead no got, i'll just tap in yeah. like, no, dude, you're supposed to wait just guys. please stop just don't do it <laughs> so i i think best case scenario would be dj winning being in contention besides tiger i think dj would be the next one that i want to win um Plus, just get him two different majors, the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. He's America's mm-hmm. boy. Get him like, get him a couple of America's majors. Like, um, I, I think this course sets up scary well for him, too. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't disagree. If, if Dustin Johnson wins this golf tournament, the question that every is going to be on every male golfer's mind is, what is Paulina going to be wearing when she comes out to give him a smooch on the 18th green? a dress that is slightly too short has quite a bit of flowers wildly inappropriately too short but also in the best way possible yeah wildly inappropriately too short she's for sure going to be wearing those adidas shoes that every single asian dude wears you know the ones with like the really big rounded heel on the backside and like and like they got like you you know and they look like they have like cloud foam under the heel like those ones Uh, the ones like She'll be wearing those They're Adidas like, shoes. Yeah, like Adidas, like or Fila or Adidas or some kind of silly stuff. <laughs> yeah, she'll be wearing some tinted Ray Bans, probably blue tint on the lenses with like gold rims, uh-huh. uh, exposing maybe one button too much cleavage. And she'll run out, give him a kiss on principle, and then look for her kids. God, you know what? Just that that scene alone, uh, you know, is is putting me firmly in the DJ camp. I, I think that would be a wonderful sight to see. She might have a cardigan wrapped around her shoulders, depending, yeah, right. on, depending <laughs> on the weather. It'll for sure be a gray cardigan. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, on the opposite side of the spectrum, what what is our worst case scenario from a viewer standpoint? Our worst case scenario would be some one-off guy winning. The PGA Championship is known for the one-offs. Mm-hmm. Bradley. You don't see you don't want to see Rich Beam win this thing. Yeah, Rich Beam, <laughs> Sean McKeel. Like the PGA Championship is known for those guys. Uh, so yeah. don't give me don't give me one of those guys, please. Yeah, I don't. gotta agree. It, it, that is a tough one. I mean, the thing is, the guys that they have odds for are on uh, Bavada, like you know, you, you and I follow enough golf where none of these guys are you know unknowns to us anymore. But you know, there, there are some guys in like the middle of the pack and the odds and stuff like that. Where like 
if you know if Webb Simpson were to come out of nowhere and win a second major, like I wouldn't be mad. That that'd be kind of awesome. It certainly wouldn't be ideal, but um, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to see who on that lower part of the list of all the odds would I just be like, dude, come on, really? It's just so any time that one of those guys has won, like the Sean McKeels, the Rich Beams, the the Keegan Bradleys, Keegan Bradley excluded. That was a good PGA that he won. That one yeah. was fun to watch. But most of the time, those guys win because no one really makes an aggressive charge. You know, it's one they win because everyone is playing on their B game and they're playing on like their A minus game. And when the margins are so so thin on the tour, that's enough to win. You know, and so they're just not particularly exciting to watch. You know, because it's just like no one's really doing anything. The coverage kind of seems to drag on. And then this dude, even if he doesn't backdoor in, like Sean McKeel stuck it on 18 to six inches and, and made birdie, which is, by all intents and purposes, super exciting. But there was no, like, excitement in the round. You know, you never felt like anyone was going to challenge him. Uh, and, and and so it's like th- when those guys win, that's normally how the round and the coverage feels. Mm-hmm. So I'm just hoping that that doesn't happen because I, I would like to see some volatility on the leaderboard or I would like to see, like, some dude just, like, thwarting off all charges like dj so it's like he's playing in the last group and brooks eagles the fourth par five the fourth hole the par five and then dj just turns around and birdies it to keep a one-shot lead you know like those kind of things where it's like oh he's in the last group and he's just matching what everyone in front of him's doing which would be really exciting too sure and i i will throw this out there of all the guys that are like one-offs guys who have not won a major championship my best case scenario if one of the favorites is not going to win this thing knowing how raucous that new york crowd is going to be can you think of a situation that would be more fun than somehow watching the guy who continually talks about how he cannot hit the ball very far coming out of nowhere and Kiz finally winning a major championship? I love Kisner. Dude, <laughs> I fucking I love Kiz so much. Kisner fan, dude. If Kisner oh. wins at Bethage, I'm going to lose it, dude. I'm going to lose it. Even if Kisner wins because he's got his A minus game and everyone's got his B game and no one makes a run, I'll be rooting for him. I was rooting exactly. For him I, I feel like Kiz is the exception to the rule that we because I actually totally agree with you that I don't want somebody winning with an A minus like performance. Like I want to see somebody be great and win and just grab this thing by the throat and just win it. But if anybody's going to backdoor their way into a major championship victory, it's got to be the Kiz. It's got to be the Kiz, dude. Glory second shot. Like, come on, Kisner, show me what's up. <laughs> oh, it's phenomenal. So. For me, that would be like a bold prediction. So if I ask you, do you have one or two bold predictions for this tournament that you're willing to throw out there and share with the uh, with the listening public? Yes. A rookie on the PGA Tour finishes in the top 10. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I Someone, like that. A rookie, or I think a rookie on the tour this year, i.e. Martin Trainer, i.e. Joel Damon, I think one of those guys that's full rookie status, or mm-hmm. one not rookie, but like, yeah, I'd say rookie. I think a rookie finishes in the top ten this week. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. I, th- I I think I think there's a lot of really good young guys out there, oh. and I think that first because of the fact that it's not going to yield so many birdies, but it's going to yield some. I think that really, 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 really good chance to uh, to play well and and get something going and finish in the top ten, which would be so sick. Gotta be so good. Well, since we're running short on time, I will leave you with one last question, my man, before we put a wrap on this thing. Of all the favorites, or of anybody, who do you have your money on to win this golf tournament? DJ. Dude, DJ. How do you not pick DJ, dude? It's, DJ t- is, it, it's uh, tough it, not to pick him, man. It really it's, is. It's really 
freaking hard not to pick DJ. So my money's on DJ. DJ. Uh, mm-hmm. Do who do I want to win more than anyone on earth? Tiger goddamn Woods. Of course. Of uh, course. Who is the betting my... favorite, by the way? Bovada at this particular moment has Tiger at seven to one. There was not a single player with those good that good of odds at the Masters. Tiger Woods has better odds to win this tournament. The guy who hasn't played now in a month. <laughs> to win this major championship than anybody had going into the Masters. That's wild. That's sick. See? So good for him. I Hell know. yeah, dude. It's amazing. Show me, that. Show me that, dude. So like so DJ's my guy. Okay. DJ's the one. He's I'm putting my money on DJ. I think DJ's gonna do it. My rookie to finish in the top ten is Martin Trainer. Mm-hmm. And and I think DJ's gonna I think if you're gonna put money on it, put money on DJ. I like it. I like it. Uh Christopher Dirt, you are a legend. And not just in the golf world, but just in just in the San Diego atmosphere and just the California Pacific Coast golf scene, you are a legend, my man. This 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 is a really good preview. I am officially jacked for this ball golf tournament. It is going to be so good, so hyped, God. dude. Kyle, you're you're. I'm just trying to keep up with your legendary status, dude. That's all I'm trying to do. I look at what you do every day, and I'm just like, God, I got to model it after that, dude, because I can't be falling too far behind. God, I love it. Circle jerk sessions at the end of the podcast cannot get any better. Loving it. Exactly, exactly, brother. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, uh, let's see, brother. Any uh, any last thoughts before uh, we we put a bow on this thing and I and we get ready for this tournament? Uh, no other last thoughts, guys. If you're listening to this podcast, hit your boy up on Instagram. Send me funny memes. Talk shit to my face. If no rookies finish, like I want to, I want to hear from you guys, dude. Because there were some bold predictions thrown out by Sir Lausas and I, um, and and I think we had some bold predictions in our Masters preview podcast as well. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'd love to hear what you guys have to think. I'd love to hear what your guys' takes are. I'd love to hear your guys' bold predictions. Talk some shit in my inbox, dude. Make this fun for me to watch because I'm gonna be watching quite a bit. And uh, if anyone knows me. I like to I like to throw around some some tweets and some texts during major championships. So feel free to uh, feel free to engage. Oh, I love it! Now, if if someone is unfamiliar, where can they find you on all of these social media platforms, my dude? At no gimmies on Instagram, at no underscore gimmies on Twitter. That's where you'll find me. Beautiful, beautiful, Christopher Durr, You are a sensational human. You are not just a golf guru, but I consider you to be a very good friend, and I am very very excited that we get to watch this PGA championship next week, man. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible, man. Shout out to the PGA being in the second week. And uh, Kyle, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me on, brother. This is uh, this is awesome. You got it, my man. Cheers. All right, little brother. All right, thanks again to Chris for an amazing podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as Chris and I enjoyed laying that thing down for you guys. Uh, it's going to be a really, really fun tournament. And uh, <laughs> it certainly appears that Chris is just as excited as I am for this thing. And uh yeah, it's going to be really, really awesome. And uh, so before we put a wrap on this thing, I'd just like to remind you guys that uh, if you're looking for a great place to save up to 70% on rounds of golf across Northern California, golfguide.net is a fantastic place to do just that. Uh, you can go ahead and visit golfguide.net, click on the Golf Deals link at the top of the page, and uh, find yourself plenty of places to go play some golf at a pretty sweet little discount. Um, and then also when you visit golfguide.net, don't forget to check out uh, our events. If you click on that link at the top of the page, you can learn more and sign up for our events to Gamble Sands in October, as well as Bannon Dunes this December. Going to be a really, really good time filled with just unbelievably spectacular golf. Really, really luxurious, comfortable lodging, stiff cocktails, great tea prizes, and of course, uh, some good camaraderie and a great chance to uh, enjoy some fellowship with uh 
uh, some fellow golfers. Uh, it'd be really, really good stuff. So I hope you guys check that out, golfguide.net. Hit that events link. And then lastly, just wanted to give another mega shout-out to my good friend Broiler for providing us with some sensational uh, music to open and close this podcast with. If you want to learn more about Broiler or go download some of his music, you can go visit broiler.bandcamp.com. All right, with that, everybody, I will be back with part two of our PGA Championship preview here in the next couple of days. But until then, enjoy your weekend and adios. Adios.